0: And welcome to Quilt Female Financial View podcast, your monthly insight into the topics and trends that are relevant to women trying to navigate the world of finance. So you don't miss future episodes, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you are listening on, or by following hashtag QC Female Financial View on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Vanessa Eve, investment manager based in our Leeds office and this month I'm pleased to be joined by our very own Amisha Cohen, head of Quilt Small Cap Strategy but also more importantly our chair of the Inclusivity and Diversity Forum. So Amisha, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here, thank you for having me. Lovely to have you on. Now, I think it's really important to kind of highlight this issue because financial services has not really been known for being the most inclusive or indeed diverse sector, Um, but I think initiatives like the 30% Club, which Campaigns to take action to increase gender diversity on boards and within senior management teams has really raised the profile and importance of making sure that those working within various industries actually reflect the wider community that they serve. Now, Quilt itself is actually a member of the 30% Club and Amisha you are very much driving change from within so what made you choose to take on this role um, as Quilt chair of the Inclusivity and Diversity uh, Forum particularly when you have such a, a, a difficult role in terms of being a fund manager as well?
1: It's a really important topic for me and I think over the many many years I've um, had views and have put those views forward and it's very frustrating when you hear lots of talk and nothing happens and so actually by being chairperson I want to be accountable and actually drive change. So what's really driven this has been a number of very very big um, movements so the Black Lives Matter and the Me Too campaigns and both of those have been really really eye-opening for me um, in terms of the injustice and the prejudice that we've seen worldwide. I was probably very naive when I started in the financial services industry I went to an all-girls school where you were told you could be anything that you want to be so I came out of university and thought I can be anything that I want to be and the answer is you still can it's just there's a lot of manoeuvring and understanding around it. And so what's really important to me is, especially within wealth management, as you know, um, the diversity of our workplace is there's room for improvement, let's put it that way. And I think yeah. there's two things around that. There's room for improvement in terms of what our workforce looks like. But most importantly for me, it's also about the diversity of our client base. And I would want our client base to look far more diverse because what wealth management gives you in life is choice. And I think that concept of choice is should be inclusive for everyone. Um, and not exclusive and not an old boys network. And so by giving people choice, you're giving them a choice in life. Do I need to work right now? Can I take some time off? Can I spend money on X, Y, Z? Rather than just being on that hamster wheel, just going round and round and round and just working rather than living. And that to me is really, really important. How do we make wealth management inclusive for everyone across the board? And the way I think about my role is about educating people to understand differences and making sure that we're not being exclusive and an old boys network,
0: but actually how we try and broaden that further. And it's so funny you say that because I I remember distinctly when I told my dad that I was um, going to move away from law and into the financial services sector, he kind of joked that I was choosing probably one of the most chauvinistic sectors to move into, but he felt that I could rise to the challenge. So it is interesting, that there's definitely this concept uh, around financial services and that it's very much a male dominated sector. And therefore it's not really a sector that women go into. Um, and I think it's it's almost on that basis actually that sort of the, the next question I'd like to explore and I've had this, I'm sure you've had it at mom, in moments, but um certainly, within everyone's life um, they will have moments where they feel like they don't belong whether it's in work situations or in personal situations and that good old imposter syndrome comes in and um, it is something that is seen to be far more prevalent amongst women we feel that we need to prove ourselves we we always feel inadequate and I suppose as head of Quilt Achieve, it's Small Cap Strategy, which is an incredibly male dominated sector of fund management, let alone the financial sector um, itself. What have your experiences been and how have you managed to navigate those feelings? You may well be confident enough, you've never had these feelings, but um, I think it is something that uh, it'd be interesting to share. Well, I've definitely had imposter syndrome, and I would probably say that I've
1: only really overcome it over the past five, six years. And there was a pivotal moment within my career, which changed my mindset. Um, But before we go into the pivotal moment, I think it's really important for people to understand that around over 70% of people generally experience imposter syndrome at some point in their life. And having been through it, I think that there is an opportunity to change for all of us. And I just remember when I started off, I started off as an equity analyst. So um, my job would involve speaking to CEOs and CFOs at the age of 22. And um, you're going into these meetings with senior members of your own team. And it's frightening because these are people who are very intelligent who are at the top of their game who know more than you and it is your job to sit there and quiz them and I felt very inadequate in terms of being able to do that so I would generally just sit very quietly in the room especially if it was a group meeting because I didn't want to look silly I didn't want to look stupid and ask a silly question um And actually what I've realized is that the whole credit crunch previously happened because people didn't ask questions. And so it's understanding that it is our job to sit there and ask them. And there is no such thing as a silly question, Um, but it's still very daunting. But for me, the pivotal moment was only six years ago. So anyone who meets me now will be like, you've probably not experienced it. You're very confident. Um, But actually, the person who I am now is very different to who I was even a decade ago, um, but my pivotal moment was meeting a tier one um, analyst. So this was an individual who works at a tier one investment bank, and he was talking to me about what is happening within the sector that I covered at that point in time, which was retail. and. I had put tier one equity analysts on a pedestal. I thought they were like, God, super intellectual, like the most amazing people in the world. And then I met him and he's lovely, absolutely lovely. But actually in that hours meeting, I I didn't learn anything new, which is great because it meant that I knew what I was talking about. But it made me just realize that actually he's no better than I am. Um, And actually, I may even be better than him. And that was my moment, that was my moment where actually these people who I'd put on pedestals came crumbling down and just realising that we're all just human beings at the end of the day. Um, And just rather than putting someone up there, just actually being on parallel with with them is the right thing to do. and so that's kind of my journey around imposter syndrome. And for anyone who does suffer from it, I kind of have three suggestions or, th- or three rules to think about. The first one is remember, think about five things that you're good at and really focus on that. So rather than focusing on the negatives, list down five things that you're good at. Then ask for the feedback. So listen to build that confidence. So ask someone for the feedback and that will just reassure you that what you're doing is, is the right thing. And then the final point is just to focus on facts and evidence. There's no point assuming things, just look at the data. Um, And I think those three things and points are really important because actually by leaving post-its on your on your computer screen um, just enables you to focus on those positive things rather than the negatives.
0: And I think that's a great thing, because even the feedback that you get on a day to day basis, that's learning. That is a positive thing. And actually, nobody is going to get everything right all of the time. So I think those are great points to to raise and highlight. And and certainly, I've had my moments where I have felt very inadequate. And it's very interesting because sometimes you can listen to individuals with a huge amount of bravado, um, a huge amount of confidence. And actually, sometimes you can even sit there and go, that's not right or actually, that doesn't make sense. And I I think this is where actually women need to gain a lot more confidence because often they do know a lot. They're just not confident enough in terms of being able to project that and put that out there. Um, So those points are absolutely brilliant and certainly things that I'll be making sure I I post on my computer as well (laughs) so that I don't forget them. Um, And I think part part of that as well is, you know, in terms of the language that people use because you can hear people sort of talk very eloquently use very big words in meetings and suddenly you think my goodness they must be so intelligent and and so on top of their game and i think that sort of filters into the type of language that that we use and certainly Here at Quilt Achieve, you know, we're actively looking to cut down on the amount of jargon that we use, um, particularly with those that are not as familiar with um, financial terminology. I think we're all guilty of slipping into those instances where we use various different acronyms and, and assume that everyone knows exactly what we're talking about. But I think what I found fascinating about the workshop that you held recently around inclusive language and how we use that both in personal work, uh, personal spaces, but also workplaces um, w- was absolutely fascinating because things have changed so much over time. And what used to be sort of viewed as perfectly acceptable when it clearly just isn't. Um, it, it has changed so dramatically. So how do you feel inclusive language is an important thing for people to understand? And what should we be doing in terms of highlighting perhaps language that people feel is acceptable, but actually no longer is? It's a really good
1: point. I think you make two very good points there. The first thing is around um, keeping financial services simple. Um, Everyone can overcomplicate language within the financial services industry. So what I tend to do is try and keep the language as simple as possible and give really simple advice or um, case studies that people can relate to. Um, and just making sure that you're approachable so people can ask if they don't understand. Uh, the second point around inclusive language is really important. Um, and I think it's all about education. So language as we know is just important around communication, how we communicate and how that makes people feel. Um, and as you've mentioned, it's been, it's constantly evolving. And so I think it's our job to just make sure that we educate ourselves. And keep on top of that language because it's evolving so quickly. But also to understand why it's important. Because actually, if you've said something and that doesn't make someone feel uncomfortable or feel like they're not wanted in that environment, then that will have an impact. But actually, by us teaching people on what is acceptable and explain the rationale behind it and the rationale behind why certain things aren't acceptable is really important.
0: And I think you raised some really, really interesting points because actually there will be a lot of people that perhaps don't intentionally want to offend or upset but don't quite understand how the world has evolved, has changed. And so I think a lot, there's almost a a perception that these individuals that maybe use language that isn't appropriate, they are doing it on purpose to be offensive, when actually they might not even realize that they are being offensive.
1: I completely agree with you. And therefore it's also explaining to those individuals, um, number one, why to turn, turn up to these workshops, because that's half the battle. Um, then getting an understanding of what is inclusive and if you say certain things why that may be perceived in a different way Um, but also for individuals to understand how to raise it if they're not happy with what someone said and I think that receiving and giving of feedback is really really important and I think for me the most important point is to make sure that people are talking and just treating people as decent human beings because the last thing you want with anything is, I don't want to offend anyone, so I'm just not gonna say anything. that way you're then just ignoring someone which is just as bad so I think trying to strike that balance but just have that openness if you're uncomfortable and you're not sure how that came across then just say I, I'm not too sure how to ask this question or, or this is why I'm asking it and give an explanation behind why it is so people aren't misreading signs
0: um, so just being open and transparent around things. Definitely, and I think as well for for younger listeners out there who may not be as confident in terms of raising this. I know my younger self, despite being half Dutch and um, growing up and, and living now in in Yorkshire, you know we are blunt individuals. We say what's on our mind. But I know when when I was younger, I was always a little bit more cautious in terms of raising things, particularly with more senior individuals or those that are older than I was. So I, I think again, it's about empowering younger people to feel confident enough and safe enough to be able to raise these issues as and when they do crop up. I completely agree. And I think that sort of moves on to another element of that, because part of being inclusive is understanding that, you know, along our careers, along our pathways, we will work with uh, individuals with various types of different disabilities whether they be clients or or work colleagues and it is very well documented that those with disabilities really do face additional hurdles um, often because people don't understand the sorts of disabilities that are out there but also not all disabilities are visible so what do you feel are the best ways to tackle this to make sure that those with disabilities feel more included
1: Once again, I think it just boils down to education Um, as a line manager, understanding who who your colleagues are and understanding how you should be speaking to them, but also that flexibility at work, making sure that um, when you're communicating with people that you are including everyone. And so if someone is um, in a wheelchair, for example, then ask in a, in a safe way of asking rather than just completely ignoring it. Um, as you would mentioned, many disabilities are also hidden. So actually, how do you manage that? And what um, how you manage one person will be very different to how you manage another. And I think that still is the same whether they're disabled or not. Um, we had a Paralympic um, gold medalist rower come on our, uh, attend our forum um, recently. And he was fascinating, because actually, I think one thing that just, um, one, well, many things I took away from it. But I just remember one story that he said, which was, when he won gold, he had all these people applauding for him. Um, And then the day after, because he didn't look disabled, because he didn't have a wheelchair um if you would parked in a disabled spot he'd have people cursing him just saying why have you parked here and so that big difference between how people treat someone who is a gold medalist, Paralympic rower, and then him being a normal individual being treated very differently. He would he would talk about the fact that he wouldn't sit in a disabled um, spot on a bus or a train because he doesn't look disabled, because people's view of what disabled looks like is someone who's old and in a wheelchair. Um, he would regularly have people coming up to him and telling him to move. Um, And so it's just understanding the dynamics that each individual goes through um, and actually what it demonstrates to a workforce environment is actually how resilient they are and what things they've had to go through to even get into work in terms of a journey. Um, And actually the qualities that that brings in people is actually a great quality for people to have within a workforce. And just understanding that and just listening and thinking
0: And I think those are all amazing points because we had recently Victoria Gosling, um, who worked on the Invictus Games um, as part of our webinar series for the conversation that matter, um, International Women's Month that we held. And it was fascinating to hear about the determination that these individuals have to overcome their disabilities. And indeed, in a lot of instances, they they say, I'm not disabled. I, I can do anything when I put my mind to it. And so, you sort of think about those types of qualities and how amazing it would be to have those qualities within the workforce, within society, because those obstacles, yes, they are hurdles to overcome, but actually so many of these individuals do overcome those hurdles and become really productive members of society if given half the chance. Um, I suppose the other element that I'd want to pick on uh, just on that topic is the fact that Ironically, people are quite defensive in terms of saying, you're not disabled, you need to actually get out. So there are people that are out there championing um, people's rights. So how how does that make you feel in terms of, I suppose, there are people that are looking to step in and and make sure that, that those people are actually defended?
1: I think it's great that they're stepping in, but it's just educate yourself along the way. And I think that's the sad bit, isn't it? I mean, even a colleague of ours will talk about the fact that she has a sports car. And so when she parks in a disability spot, spot, um, people don't expect her to come out. And it will also, also question why she has a sports car. Um, and it's just these preconceptions that people have, which is just absurd, Um, And arguably until I started really educating myself on this, I probably had a number of number of these preconceptions as well. And it's only when you start talking to people openly and you start reading and you start listening to podcasts and and you try and understand it do you sit there and go, this is absurd, like it really is ridiculous um, that this is happening in this day and age, but actually it's everyone's job to sit there and learn. And if they do have these advocators who are going to sit there and go, don't go park in a disabled spot. then actually it's great that you think that, but maybe do a bit more work around it and understand what disability really means and actually how it will be different per person.
0: And I think that's the the valid point, isn't it? To to understand that not all disabilities are visible, and also in terms of approaching individuals, making sure that you are doing it in a way that is respectful and and actually doesn't cause offence in itself. Um, yeah. and I, I think I think that's what's um, that's what's so important about the role that that you do within Quilt Achievia in terms of that inclusivity and diversity piece. Um, And I think we can safely say that both you and I are on a mission to make sure that um, not only is inclusivity and diversity top of the forum, but that uh, more women are made aware of actually what a great sector financial services is to work in. Um, I fell into this sector completely by accident. I trained as a lawyer first, and it was only because I was working in a law firm and came across um, investment management that I was even made aware of the fact that this industry existed Um I didn't come from a family that had huge backgrounds in the financial sector which a lot of our peers often do um, and I suppose the the sad thing is is that both you and I, cause we've worked in the same firms in four places as well. But I, I feel as though we have seen very little change in terms of the number of women represented in the financial services sector. And I've been in the sector for about 17 years now. So why do you think it is? And, and what do you think we need to do more of to make a career in investment management and fund management more accessible? Well
1: I think I've seen a, maybe a bit more change than you have so I remember when I first joined I know we were both quite similar on this front there weren't many female role, role models so we both used to dress as men oh, like men so I'd, I'd had my bespoke bespoke suits so, made. With with
0: Trouser my... suits. suits and shirts were very much what was worn and we've come a long way in terms of what we wear now. Exactly. But that was because of a lack
1: of role models. So our role models would have ended up being men who had their bespoke suits made and I would therefore go to their tailor and clearly their tailors would not know how to fit it for me um, because I'm a completely different shape. Um but so so we have evolved since then, which is great to see. Um, and I think part of it is also around the whole ESG and the governance side. So actually the fact that you do need more females on boards now and that's now will be is a requirement almost. And I know with our own um with a, within our own stairco at quilter group, Um, we look at things like how many fund managers do we have as women and so there there are things that all organizations are looking at in terms of how do we actually increase the number of women within the organized within the financial services industry um i'd have i mean i love my job i'm really really privileged i get to meet i get to learn new things every day meet management teams across the world but now i'm also just in the uk um and you really get to um I'm just very, very privileged with um, the job that I have. So actually, it's just telling people about what we do and what we love about it. So when many people think about financial services, they'll sit there and say what's well, not great for, um, for for women if you want a family. And actually, both of us have children. Um, we, both, <laughs> we, we both have a family as well. So it's understanding that you can have it all. And I do remember when I had my son, I remember someone saying to me, you know, you you can't also have a career. And that massively baffled me. Um because I like what I do. Um, And so that's not stopped me. And actually we've worked out a way that works for us and being in an organization, which also provides you with flexibility is is great. So we think there's a number of things here is the fact that there are fewer women, but that means that you're more likely to be remembered. Um, And also you provide a different view. Um, I remember meeting the CFO of a very large luxury group, and he was talking about how um, this specific brand that they've got, and I won't mention which one it is, um, how they're looking to penetrate the, the market in China. And he just said, Oh, China, they don't really like really tight clothing. They don't really like sexy clothing, is how he defined it. <laughs> um, and this was a group meeting with about 20 other investors in the room. There were probably just two women myself and, and another another investor in the room as well and I just said hold on I just watched your fashion show it was full of pvc and it was full of very very tight clothing um completely the opposite of what you're saying and that, I mean that doesn't correlate um so I challenged him on it and clearly most of the men in the room hadn't seen it because it's not of interest to them um, and didn't really know what I was talking about. And I, and so actually by just having um, a different view um, enables you to add value. Um, and I think that's really, really important is the reason why neither of us wear suits anymore is because that's not what we were comfortable in and so we've embraced being our own individual selves we've embraced um talking to people in our own way and being authentic and that is what differentiates us and actually being proud of that and being proud of the fact that you will be quizzing things in a slightly different way potentially not always um and making sure that your voice is heard. So I think the um, wealth management industry is a great opportunity for anyone who's interested in basically learning about something new every single day, being challenged, um, and actually just taking ownership of something and also helping people with making that choice. I think that's the important point for me is enabling our clients to have a choice in life, which enables them to lead, lead a better life for themselves.
0: And I think you're absolutely right. Um, You know, being your authentic self is what probably my clients value the most and it, it's it's fascinating in terms of what you mentioned about you know when you first had your children and and the fact that you know you, you were told that oh my goodness you can't have your career now um because you've had children I know certainly when I had my son I was worried about taking any form of maternity leave because I thought I'm going to lose my clients they they expect me to be around and yet I I Ironically, it probably provided a closer bond with my clients because they could relate to me. They could understand a lot of the the things that I was going through through. And likewise, I could understand a lot of what they were talking about. I had a whole new perspective in terms of the importance of family and and why they were doing the things that they were doing in terms of the financial and investment plans that they were creating to be able to provide for their children and grandchildren. So I, I think this is where there is a bit of a misconception that, you know, having a family, actually, it can help you relate to individuals and make Situations more inclusive um, because actually you can really relate to those individuals. Um, and that's what makes the job, yeah, day in, day out, fascinating. It's the clients that we get to deal with on a day to day basis. And like you say, markets are constantly on the move it constantly keeps us on our toes but that's all part of, of the fun so thank you so much uh, amisha for those great insights i i wish we could sort of talk all afternoon because i i know that there's so much more that we'd like to delve into um but this is all the time that we have for today so thank you to everyone also at home listening from wherever you are. Um, I think it, it's important to, to say that hopefully you enjoyed the discussion we've had on the podcast today, but we would love to hear from our listeners. So please review the show wherever you are listening and share it on your socials. Um, we are on a mission to raise the profile of women in investing. So it is something that we would like to put forward. And um, please do tag us at Quilt It. Um, It's also very important for us to hear from you, our listeners, um, tell us what you would like for us to cover. If there are topics within the world of finance that you want to understand more about, please do get in touch and let us know. And to make sure you don't miss a future episode, please do tap the subscription button. In the meantime, you can also head across to our website at www.quiltachievit.com where you can visit our Women and Investing Hub for our latest news, industry insights and upcoming events and webinars. So that's all we have time for today. So thank you again, Amisha, for your fascinating insights into both of your roles, but also your honesty about your own personal experiences. And to all of you listening wherever you are, we will see you next time.